are worthy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy. Amen, amen. As we are standing, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Again, thank you, as uh, email mentioned. Uh, thank you all those who attended and uh, were able to make it to our launch grow groups this week. And we, uh, we want to uh, help it to uh, be uh, better uh, each and every time we meet. Man, whatever that is uh, and however that looks, we want to grow together. Um, also, if you are interested in doing some outreach, be sure to check with Brother Andy, uh, Brother Galan uh, about that. Connect with him this uh, Saturday. Um, I know there's a ladies' event uh, going on as well, but uh, there will be outreach as well for those that are interested in reaching out. Amen. So Hebrews 12 and 14, uh, the word of the Lord says, Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. And so tonight is part two of the series we started, The Sword of Separation. Amen. And turn to you people, wave at them, greet them, uh, shake their hands as you're seated tonight. Amen. Again, thank you for all those that uh, helped uh, this past weekend with our children's revival and services and uh, believe that was a, a great uh, a great start to what God is going to do um, in us and in our kids. Um, I know being honest, being transparent, uh, um, you know, I was really hoping and praying and believing that uh, my my girls would get the Holy Ghost this weekend, and they didn't. But it showed me that uh, I've got to prepare them even more. Uh, sometimes we just think that, uh, you know, just throw them up to the altar and they're going to get it. Uh, but I realize with at least my kids that uh, need to work with them more on praying. Uh, we, we pray every night before we go to bed, but obviously... We need to pray more and teach them to pray even more and better. And so uh, I'm thankful for that, that uh, we are working on that. And I'm definitely personally making it uh, more of, a, of an effort and being more um, persistent about, intentional about it, uh, so that I'm believing by the end of the year they're going to get the Holy Ghost, you know. Uh, and so if we do that, each parent does that and said, hey, you know, we got, I got to step it up um, because I got to do something. Things, the way things have been happening obviously is good, but uh, I want great. I want things better. Uh, and so we need to work on that at home and in our Sunday school classrooms and, and everywhere. Every opportunity we can, uh, it's going to be for the betterment of them and us. Amen. And so that's. Uh, we were blessed by the ministry of uh, somebody half my age, and it's, uh, you know, it's great to see God doing, working in young people, amen, and uh, speaking uh, words to us and to our kids, uh, so I look forward to uh, the future and, and growing together, amen. So talking about uh, the sword of separation uh, our holiness series that we are beginning uh, this uh, this month, this year, I guess. Um, and so follow peace with all men in holiness. With without, no man shall see the Lord. And I know we, we kind of just uh, many times just kind of skip over the first part, uh, follow peace with all men, and we just kind of jump right to holiness because, you know, that's what we want to talk about is holiness, but... Uh, you know, in the uh, efforts of good uh, hermeneutics and good uh, uh, dividing the word of God, just going to briefly talk about the first part of this, the phrase, uh, follow peace with all men, so that uh, obviously that's important as well. Uh, and, and so just briefly touching on that, uh, I believe that that uh, phrase, if we can draw that phrase out, follow peace, uh, is derived from the book of Romans, and uh, um, it says, Romans 14 and 3, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, 
But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably, Destroy him not with thy meat for whom Christ uh, died. This is obviously in reference to uh, traditions, uh, especially the meat, eating meat that was offered to idols. It was such um, such a uh, deep-rooted tradition and teaching in, in Jewish uh, customs that when the New Testament came along and it didn't really seem like there was didn't really matter that much, it can easily be, still become a stumbling block to those who are adhering to that. And, you know, for the better, for uh, the good, uh, obviously they want to please God. That's the, the main uh, uh, belief behind it, to please God and, and adhere to his word. But uh, Paul is saying, I know that there's really nothing unclean, but whoever thinks something is unclean, to them that is unclean. Uh, and so he's talking about not being a stumbling block and just say, well, I don't uh, forget what you're thinking. I'm going to do it anyways. If it causes you to backslide, then that's your fault. Uh, again, we can't go walking on eggshells around everybody's sensitive needs and all these things. But we need at least need to be aware and be more compassionate if we can. And if if for if a situation calls for us to withstand from something we normally do, it's God sees it's for the betterment of that individual, at least for that one time. I mean, I don't think he's calling us or uh, asking us to completely change our lifestyle and everything we believe uh, about one person's beliefs. Um, but uh, I think it's more of an individual situation here. Uh, so that's kind of what the context of this is about. He says, let not your good be evil spoken of. We can do something good, but still do it in the wrong way reason in spite of somebody for the wrong purpose uh, and even though we may be right the way that we do it we can be wrong with our attitudes or emotions or how we present something we can be right but we can still lose it because uh, if we uh, cause harm or offend somebody purposefully in the wrong spirit we can we are the ones at fault now even though we may be right uh, he says, for the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth, serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. And so he's, he's kind of raising the bar, raising the standard and saying, you know, people can get so caught up in the meat and drink of it all. But he's saying the kingdom of God is, is even more deeper and greater than that. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That if, if you're following after righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, uh, you're going to be acceptable into God and you're going to be doing things the right way. He says, therefore, or he said, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace. And things wherewith one may edify another. Uh, and so really that is really the meaning of that all, I believe, is that if we're following after the things for peace uh, and edifying one another, we're, we're doing things uh, with the right spirit and the right attitude. And sometimes following after peace may mean for you to withstand from something temporarily so that somebody else doesn't get their sto toes stepped on, or, or they don't understand yet the com uh, uh, why you may do that or what. And so, uh, again, I don't think it's a complete lifestyle change for this one person, but if we are following after the Holy Ghost and following after righteousness, peace, and joy, uh, then we, are, we would be in the spirit of edifying those around us and lifting one another up and making each other stronger. So I think that is where... Uh, Hebrews 12 draws that, follow peace with all men 
and then now introduces holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And so we talked about holiness and how it is really derived from the essence, very essence of God. For he is holy and there is none like him. And after the fall in the garden, man lost a lot of things. And one of those things is and was holiness. Because sin and filthiness and corruption and uncleanliness uh, came into this world and into our life. And it separated us from the holy God. And so a holy God cannot commune with something that is unholy. Uh, And so that is why we are to pursue after holiness. Because in doing that, we're pursuing after God and we are getting closer to God. And since God is holy, if we want to be with him and to walk with him as Adam once did, then we have to pursue holiness and obviously peace and righteousness and joy and the Holy Ghost. And that way uh, that we, uh, uh, that's the way we do that first. Uh, the way that we do that is first we have to withdraw from this world. Because this world is dark and full of corruption and evil and sin and all those things. Uh, so to uh, draw closer to God, we have to come out from among the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. So thus begins the pursuit of holiness. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So that sounds kind of like holiness. And so as we mentioned, it is one of those, it is one thing to be separated from something, but also we we must also be separated unto God and for his purpose. Because we can withdraw from this world, but do our own thing. It doesn't mean that we are separated unto God. We are separated, but are we separated unto God for his purpose? Uh, If I ever became filthy rich, one of the things that I would love to do uh, is to buy myself an island somewhere and just to live there. You know? Uh, Away from everybody. Craziness and just beachside every day. Just me and my island and my family as well. You can come. Yeah. Yeah friend list, I guess. We'll see. But uh, living in my own world, uh, one could make the argument that I have separated myself from the world. But I would not be doing God's work because the kingdom doesn't tell us to isolate ourselves and hunker down. It tells us to go back into the world and to reach the lost to spread the gospel, to make disciples, to, to be a light and to be a salt. And so as much as I want to uh, re, 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 recuse myself and be a recluse um, and hide from everything else in this world, that's not what God is asking us to do. And we can, sometimes we can do that, retreat into our own little bubble and saying, I'm, I'm being holy uh, unto God, but uh, uh, are we really? Because he says, go back in there. Go back into the world. Uh, and so it is a battle to live for God, as we mentioned last time, that the language of the Bible and the New Testament for living for God talks about a struggle and fighting and warring and uses the language of combat and uh armor of God and and swords and shields and fighting the good fight of faith. And and so the fight for holiness, I would contend, is our greatest fight. The, The fight for separation is our greatest battle in these last days because if we do not stay separated from this world, then that would make us part of the world. And again, I'm not arguing, and I think, you know, I'm not arguing to separate and just hide on the island like we want to. Uh, We can be in the world, but not of the world, as Jesus also describes. Uh, And so, um, a friend of the world is an enemy of God. 
love of the world, uh, we don't have the love of the Father. And Jesus said, Matthew 10, 34, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Thus the sword of separation, to separate, to draw a line in the sand and begin separating ourselves from this world and set apart unto God for his purpose. So the kingdom, he came to draw a line of separation, the kingdom of darkness on this side and the kingdom of light on this side. And, and holiness is not allowing things from this world to cross over the line and to come into our life. That's a, a simple illustration of holiness. And so tonight we embark on part two of holiness, of the sword of separation and our Discussion on holiness and holy living. And tonight is what I would like to label as really the foundation of holiness. That if we truly understand this and grasp this, then holiness and living a holy life should come easy to us. And so therefore it is named the sword of separation because it, it's not a pleasant thing. Pursuing holiness has two roads. And there are two ways to view or, and or pursue holiness. One way will lead you closer to God, but there will come a point where the sidewalk ends. And then you're kind of on your own to make up your own path. But the other path will lead you closer to God and closer and closer and closer. Because the sidewalk never really ends down that path. And you will, because you will always see the path to God. The pathway in pursuing holiness is really up to you. Now, everyone will say, well, I, I want to get as close to God as I can. I mean, you can't be a Christian and not say that. You have to say that. So it doesn't, doesn't mean anything because you have to say it. No restraints, no barriers, nothing holding me back. Uh, and so um, there are two ways to approach holiness and thus two ways to approach God. The first way is the, I would say, is the letter of the law of holiness. And the second way is the spirit of the law of holiness. The letter and the law. Or, I'm sorry, the letter and the spirit. These are two different paths among believers and they uh, lead to two different destinations, even though they're both in, holy, in the name of holiness. One goes much further and deeper than the other. And that is obviously on us to choose which sidewalk we want to walk on. Jesus dealt with this with the Pharisees. In Mark chapter 3, he says, And he, Jesus, entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand, and they watched him, the Pharisees watched him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him. And he saith unto the man which hath the withered hand, stand forth. Now you can just feel the tension in this room, not here, but in the story. And it, something's getting ready to go down, and both sides know it. Jesus knows, obviously, but the Pharisees are hoping something happens. They're really hoping something. And so he looks at this man with a withered hand, and he says, stand forth, step out. And he said unto him, unto them, he, now he's talking to the Pharisees, after he calls this guy out, he looks to the Pharisees, squinty-eyed. 
you know, John Wayne style. And uh, he said unto them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath days or to do evil? To save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around about on them with anger. Now you can imagine how just how mad Jesus was. Because he knew the showdown is here. He knew everything that they stood for. And the showdown was happening. And so he stared at them squinty-eyed. And he was angry. He was mad being grieved for the hardness of their hearts. And he had to be careful because Jesus can call down 10,000 angels and these Pharisees, they would be vaporized in a second. I think that's what his flesh probably wanted to do. Uh, But he just stared at them with anger. He saith, while he's, and I picture this, while he's just eyeballing this crowd, this group of Pharisees, uh, he says to the man, stretch forth thy hand. And Jesus is not blinking. We're in a stare contest. And Jesus is not blinking. He's mad. Looking at them with anger, and he just points to this guy, stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And Jesus went, And then the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. Just healed somebody, and now the Pharisees are after him. The letter of the law and the spirit of the law are both exposed here by Jesus. The Pharisees held on to the letter of the law so tight that they were blinded or maybe didn't want to see the spirit of the law. And therefore, in their eyes, Jesus was wrong. The letter says this, you disobeyed the letter. You're wrong, Jesus, so we're going to destroy you. They used the letter of the law to kill Jesus. Jesus died by the letter of the law because in their eyes, that's the way it is. But Jesus clearly was demonstrating the spirit of the law as he asked them, is it lawful to heal, to do good or to do evil? And the the Pharisees didn't respond. Uh, So the letter of the law or the spirit of the law, Paul spoke to this as well in his writings, Romans 2. 27, and and shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee, who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward of the flesh. And obviously, uh, talking about the letter of the law and the 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 law of the of law of circumcision, you you in order to be a Jew, you had to be circumcised. And so here in Romans two, he's he's breaking down this whole division between Jew and Gentile, uh, um, and, and and so here he is in verse twenty nine, says, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. And so here Paul is turning everything around and saying it's, it doesn't matter by the letter anymore, but it's by the spirit. And uh, you can still be a Jew and be uncircumcised now because uh, the letter only goes so far, but the spirit begins to pick up and take people even further. So you have the letter of the law, and you have the spirit of the law. Two different paths for the same thing. 
2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. So the letter only goes so far, and then it comes to an end, and then it dies, it brings death. But the Spirit picks things up and goes even further than what may actually be written down or spoken in the actual letter or Scripture. And so the letter of holiness is the path where the sidewalk will end. Because the Bible doesn't specifically address it. It's not spelled out. So... Guess you don't got to worry about it. That's the letter of holiness, the letter of the law. It's not, it's not in there. But I would say the Spirit still speaks. I'll give you some real life 2022 Christian examples of the letter, the letter of holiness. This is, I've heard this from big name, uh, mainstream Christian pastors who are so great out there. Uh, so, Pastor, I I want to get this tattoo on my arm. Because tattoos are popular right now, and you got to cover your whole arm or, you know, half your body, whatever. Whatever it is. Um, I want to get a big cross. And with a crown of thorns and Jesus, mural of Jesus, and all these things to, to show my love and commitment and my dedication and devotion to him, to Jesus, and my faith in him. I, I want to show the world. And, and so what do you think, Pastor? Well, Johnny, that's great to hear of how you want to model your faith in Christ. Uh, you know that we live under the New Testament, and the Old Testament is done away with. And the New Testament doesn't talk about tattoos. We're under grace. And so if the New Testament doesn't address it, well, I guess, I guess we're, we're good. The Old Testament talks about it, but we're not, we're not under the Old Testament. This is the argument. I'm telling you, this is the argument. If it was important to Jesus, he would have addressed it in the New Testament uh, or had the apostles write about it. Um, so uh, the no, New Testament does not talk about tattoos. So the letter of holiness says, well, I guess. I mean, it's not in there. Uh, but then Johnny responds and says, but pastor, what about that verse in Corinthians, somewhere in Corinthians that says something like, our body is the, the temple of the Holy Ghost and we should glorify God in our bodies. What, what about that? I mean, that's in the New Testament. Uh, yes, Johnny, that's correct, uh, but the context of that verse, Paul is speaking about fornication. Speaking about fornication. So he's not talking about tattoos, not talking about this or that. It just literally says, forn flee fornication, don't sin against your body, because that's a sin against your body. Uh, and so it doesn't, it's not referring to tattoos. It's about fornication. That's the context. Got to stick with context. So, uh, well, thanks for clearing that up, Pastor. I didn't want to misinterpret Scripture and make it say something that it doesn't say. And so are you beginning to see how there are two paths of holiness? And again, that that's, that's a belief out there. I know, I know people that uh, got Christian Jesus tattoos because, hey, the Bible, New Testament does not say about it. It's, it's a real thing out there. Two paths of holiness. And so uh, while we're on it, what else does the New Testament not talk about? Since that's what we're talking about. So that I can know how to uh, live my life pleasing to God according to the New Testament and what it says. New Testament does not talk about TV, does not mention internet, there's no Greek word for internet, 
There's no, doesn't talk about marijuana or medical marijuana, thank God. Uh, doesn't really address the, the idea about beards or, or a clean-shaven face, what I should have, or doesn't talk about the uh, cosmetic aisle at the store. Doesn't talk about uh, fake hair, fake body parts, fake nails. It doesn't talk about Botox. It doesn't talk about implants. New Testament doesn't talk about, it doesn't really talk about pornography. Doesn't talk about video games or movies or movie theaters. It doesn't talk about clubs or concerts or sporting events. It doesn't talk about any of that. So we're good, right? That's that's one way of holiness, right? It's, it's not in there. We are under grace. God is gracious, and he'll cover us everything up with his grace and his love. And so we'll sort it all out later because it's not in there. But there is a, another law that I believe does speak to every one of those items and whatever fad comes out next year that's new and not in the New Testament. I believe that the, the spirit of holiness will speak to every single item that we could ever face in our life, every decision that we ever have to come across and make. I believe that the spirit of holiness will give us an answer to the direction uh, to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. And that is what I believe and that is what I'm uh, going to teach, that the spirit of holiness, the, the spirit will lead you much closer to God than the letter will. So the letter is the path where the sidewalk ends. I can only go so far because it only speaks specifically on certain things. But the spirit will keep drawing you and keep drawing you. And keep speaking to you and to, to, to stop doing that or to take that off or to turn that off or to don't go there or don't put that on anymore. The letter and the spirit of holiness, we decide which path we'll take. But I'm going to preach and, and hold on to the spirit of holiness because I know that that is the way to get closer to God and keep drawing closer to God, uh, even closer than we were uh, last year or yesterday or, or last month or, or whenever. Uh, the pursuit of holiness and perfecting it, uh, the spirit is always going to keep drawing you closer. And the closer you get to God, the more things are revealed. If there comes a stopping point when things are revealed and the letter doesn't speak about it. But the Spirit will address it and will convict. The letter will say, well, I've, clean, I've cleansed myself of these things, so I'm good. But the Spirit of holiness will stir up your spirit and say, why don't you stop doing that? Why, why don't you stop wearing that or doing that so I can draw you closer? 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh of the Spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so uh, perfecting holiness is a constant thing. We're always perfecting, perfecting, getting closer and closer and drawing closer to God. Uh, but uh, if we live by the letter of the law, there comes a stop of the sidewalk because it doesn't spell everything out, doesn't address everything. And so I know the letter doesn't say it, but uh, why don't you stop doing that? I, I'm so holy that uh, you don't you don't need to do that to approach me. You don't need to impress me uh, to draw closer to me. When when I made you, I said you were very good, and so we don't need to decorate ourselves or our body with man-made things and to think that that is going to make us more beautiful in the sight of God to try to perfect ourselves, perfect our bodies with uh, our man-made things and God just wants us to come as we are because that's how he made us. Because it's not our body, it's not our body, it's his body. 
That's what the Spirit says. You gave your body to me because you said you wanted your spirit, you wanted my spirit to come inside of you. And so I cleansed your body, I purged it of sin and filthiness, and I I washed it in the waters of baptism, and I, I purchased the right to do that with my blood that I shed, and so it's my body that I'm entrusting you to take care of it in a way that glorifies me and not you. Again, the sword of separation, it's not, it's not a pleasant thing. And that is what the spirit of holiness says. The letter, the letter never gets that far. And so pursuing holiness, letter or spirit, Uh, you don't have to tell us which path you prefer. We all know. Uh, we, we know we all know because inward holiness will always manifest itself outwardly. Through our looks, our actions, and our attitudes. It's the way things come out. Water will always flow to the lowest point, and our bodies are mostly water. So our flesh will always try to get away with the lowest level of living. Naturally, we're just drawn to the bottom because that's where water goes. Water goes to the lowest point. So what can I get away with? How close to the line can I get without sinning? That's somebody who might live by the letter of holiness because, where, I mean, exactly how far? Three feet away? Okay, I'm good. The way of the Spirit says... I'm so far from that line, I don't even know where it's at. And I keep getting further and further every day. That's what the spirit of holiness says. I've left, I left that stuff a long time ago. I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that battle, that temptation any longer. Because I left it a long time ago. I gave it up and followed after God to get closer to God. Carnality loves the letter of holiness. Because carnality likes to argue and resist, get angry and bitter and defiant against the spirit. Because the letter uh, doesn't specifically say it, and so I'm going to fight. That's where I'm drawing the line. Uh, The letter doesn't say you can heal on the Sabbath, so you can't stretch forth your hand. But the spirit says there's something deeper there. There's something deeper there. There's a, there's a deeper well that is below the surface uh, of the surface water that only the letter shows and, and, and brings light to. But the whole purpose of the letter is to draw you to that place where you begin to search on your own, to search for the fine, uh, deeper path, a, a deeper walk with God. And the letter will lead you there, give you directions, but at some point you got to begin to say, there's got to be more than this. i got to draw closer to God and I want more of you and, and I'm, I'm tired of living at this surface level. I need more of you and that is what the spirit of holiness will do. It will lead you further than the letter does. The, le- the spirit will always fulfill the letter. The spirit's not going to contradict the letter. It always fulfills it and even takes it even further. But living by the letter, you can never fulfill the spirit. Because Jesus fulfilled the law because he followed the spirit of the law. And he fulfilled everything. But the Pharisees got stuck. And they stopped the sidewalk end and Jesus kept walking and they said, crucify him. He's not doing it the way it should be done. Yet they missed everything. And so that is why Paul said there's a warring in my members, a warring between flesh and spirit. Or we can say a warring between letter and spirit. Only one will take you further into the pursuit of holiness and into his presence. And 
Uh, I'm not trying to prop myself up or my wife up, and we're certainly far from perfect, but we are we are trying to model what we believe and uh, as uh, is the perspective of holiness that we adhere to. And so that I would ask of you to follow our example in spirit and in appearance because we are trying to model what we believe is the spirit of holiness. If we don't do it, then there's probably a reason we don't do it. If we don't wear it, then there's probably a reason we don't wear it. If we don't put it on, then there's probably a reason we don't put it on. And so I believe that the fornication verse that Paul reveals in 1 Corinthians is indeed the actual cornerstone for holiness. I believe it is the foundation stone for teaching of holiness in the New Testament. It is the sidewalk that the spirit of holiness walks upon that will take you further than uh, anything uh, ever written can take you. I believe uh, nearly everything that we do or don't do, everything we put on or don't put on, can be traced back to that verse. And many people will write it off and say, well, it's just dealing with fornication. 1 Corinthians 6.19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Even though the letter may state that this only applies to fornication, I think these scriptures open up a well of truth and a glimpse into the mind of God. This is what God thinks about our bodies. God says, that's mine. And our response is either, no, it's mine. It's my body. It's my choice. Or we say, yes, Lord, it's your body. Help me to glorify you with this body. That's what holiness really comes down to. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It, it has to be acceptable unto God, not acceptable unto the mirror. Well, how do I know what God likes? Well, how about we start with the fact that this body is not mine, it's God's. Let's just start right there. How many of you have ever uh, rented a car before? Many of us have. When I rent a car, uh, I've got my dream rental car in mind, and I'm on my way to pick it up. I've got the color picked out, the interior, you know, the luxury package, the leather, the heated seats. Now they have air-conditioned seats, lower lumber, air conditioning, amazing. Uh, and so when they hand you the keys and you go and find it, many times it's not what you hoped for. And you're stuck with this thing, this brand new thing. Huh. And so um, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. That's what my kids say. And that's what I say to them. And so now you've got your rental. Now how many of you has ever taken that car and swapped out the cloth seats and put some leather seats in because that's what you wanted? How many ever put that LCD touchscreen in for nice controls? How many of you went out and got new rims because it's not what I want to drive around in for this week or month or whatever? Or how many went and got it painted a different color because it gave you this ugly maroon color and you wanted black, you wanted white. Or maybe you went out and got the windows tinted or maybe got some bumper stickers on it. Did anybody ever do that to their rental car? Why not? Well, it's not your car. You, you, don't, have, you don't have the right to do that. 
you can you can do it. If you do it, let me know how it goes. So why would we treat a rental car better than we treat the temple of God? Why do we have more fear and reverence for a jalopy rental car than we do for God's body? I'll tell you why, letter or spirit. If I were to give each of you, whenever I buy my island, and if I were to give each of you a a Rolls Royce for you to take care of it for me, uh, if you're not sure what that is, it's a $500,000 car. If I were to give each of you one of those, and when I come back, I say it had better be in this condition or better or else, how would you take care of it? Boy, you'd be washing and waxing that thing every day, not taking it to some $7 drive-thru, get that scratched by the rubbers, things, machines. You'd shoot anybody that got close to it. You'd put down a cot next to it, and you'd sleep with one eye open. Anybody comes near, they're gone. This car is worth more than my life, more than my house, everything I ever have. It's behind me. And so we laugh because we know it's true. Well, the Almighty God has bought our body with his precious blood, and how much more valuable is our body than some car? This is the king of kings property. My, my God, the maker of heaven and earth bought my body and asked me to take care of it. I had better wash it. I had better cleanse it. I had better cleanse it from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit and cleanse it from any adornments because it's not mine to, to decorate it or make changes to the Lord Almighty's body. Uh, I'm not going to dare to trespass and defile what, what is God's. That's what the spirit of holiness says. The letter of holiness, you don't got to worry about all that, what I just said. It's really, it only applies to fornication. My body is more valuable than the Ark of the Covenant. And no one, none of us would dare touch that. But where does it say that God died and shed his blood for an ark, the Ark of the Covenant? What we see happen when people touch the ark that wasn't theirs, uh, immediately struck down. And yet we'll go to the store and spend all kinds of money dressing up and decorating God's body like it's our own. And obviously we have to, you know, be presentable and all that. We're not, we're not starting uh, a nudist church we don't need that but uh you know we have to obviously you know because we're not giving god glory in that way but we have to be presentable and uh you know be a witness oh uh and so um there's obviously that line but we line of reverence that we have to keep that while we're going to take care of this body it's it's not my body it's God's body. Uh, Paul said that our reasonable service, the very least, the water, people, that flows to the bottom, the very least, the easiest thing that we can do in response to God and what he has done for us is to present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service. That's, Paul said that's the easiest thing you can do, and yet some people struggle. People struggle with the easiest part of holiness. Maybe it's because they're living by the letter and not by the spirit. So the easiest thing we can do for God is to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Now, from what I understand is that a sacrifice is something that is thrown on an altar and dies. Doesn't sound like anything pleasant. Oh, I can't wait to get on that altar. I, I can't wait to put that on because I'm going to look so good when I'm dying on that altar. 
No, the, the dying actually takes place before we even make it to the altar. That's where we die. Uh, that's where our will dies. It's on our way to the altar. Uh, and I'm going to say something, and it might shock you, but let me finish. Uh, Jesus did not die on the cross. He died in the garden. There was the final battle warring between his flesh and his spirit. He died when the blood began to pour out of his pores. He died before the cross. His will died in the garden. And he said, not my will, but thine will be done. That's where he died. That is a living sacrifice. After he died in the garden, he was led so easily, led so easily, like a, like a sheep to the slaughter. Didn't resist, didn't kick back, didn't fight, didn't beat people up. Why? He was already dead. Didn't argue. He didn't even debate with Pontius Pilate. Pilate could have let him go. He was just, at, you know, having a conversation with this man. And he knew he was innocent. And Jesus just said the right words. And it would have been it. I think Pontius Pilate's wife knew what was going down. And uh, I'm sure they had a nice talking afterwards. But Jesus didn't even barely speak a word. Why? He was, he was already dead. His will had already died. And he became, he was a living sacrifice. See, it's easy to get on the altar to get on the cross when you're dead. When you've died out to your will and your flesh and the desires of this life and carnality, you don't, you don't care what other people think about you. That all you want is for his will to be done. You don't care if others mock you or make fun of you for how you look or what you wear because you're just, you're just trying to get up to that hill. Just trying to get to that altar because I want his will to be done. I want to glorify him with this body that is no longer mine. But the problem today is that we want to look good dying. We want to look good dying. We want to die in style, all fashioned up on the cross, taking selfies on the cross. Putting on filters, which I call virtual makeup. That's what I call them. Again, that's not, that's not in the New Testament. So the people who live by the letter don't got to worry about the virtual makeup. But maybe the spirit says, why are you doing that? Anyways, um, you see, we want to look uh, our best for God, but there's a line there that looking our best might be different than how God views our best. We want to sparkle and glisten while we're on the cross, and don't take that picture from that angle because that's my bad side. I need to look good on this altar. So get over on this side. And so, uh, and then, you know, don't get me started with that altar because that altar could use some refreshing. I'm not dying on that altar. Well, has anyone ever asked God what he thinks about the altar? Because he tells us what he thinks about the altar. Musicians, if you would come. Exodus 20 and 25 says, If thou wilt make me an altar of stone, which we all we talk about altars all the time. Altar, throw me on the altar, Lord. Lead me to the altar, Lord. I want to be there on that altar. And if I'm that living sacrifice, I have to be on an altar. If thou wilt make an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up a tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. 
You mean, God, you don't want me to make a nice altar for you? You don't want me to polish it up, God? That altar looks busted and old and broken. Let, let me clean that up for you, God, that I, I can look my best on that altar. But God said, if you take a stone and you put a tool to it and try to make it look better in your eyes, guess what? You've just polluted the altar. Polluted it. Why? Whose stone is it? Is it your stone? It's your stone, I guess you can. Last I checked, God made all the stones out of the earth, the dust of the earth. And so you start chipping away and polishing up uh, something that is not yours, then you're, you're destroying or trespassing or defiling or damaging something that doesn't even belong to you. And so I don't think God has the same thoughts and feelings that we do, that he views things maybe a little bit different than we think. And he, he, he likes what he made and how he made it. He knows how to make things better than I do. And so uh, he doesn't like it when man steps in and says, let me help you out, God. Let me help you out. Kind of messed up here. We're doing your best work here, God. Let me step in and patch it up for you, fix it for you. Let me help you, God. Let me alter this altar for you because it's for you, God. It has nothing to do with me. It's all for you. And I wonder what God thinks about all of that. Again, those that follow the letter of holiness, you don't got to worry about this last half of this message because it doesn't necessarily spell it out like I'm talking. But the Spirit, I think, might agree that there's something deeper than just the letter and the letter of holiness and the spirit of holiness. And, and so inside the tabernacle, you stand with me today. Inside the tabernacle, there was the fire that was always burning. The fire that provided the light inside to, for the ministers to minister to God. That fire was taken from the altar outside, the brazen altar. But one day, the sons of Aaron, the sons of the high priest, church boys, who knew the letter of the law, hopefully, but uh, they should have known the letter and they should have known the spirit of the law. So the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, the Bible says they brought in strange fire and offered it before the Lord. And we know how God felt about that because they felt the real fire from God. All of a sudden it just set a flame and so now I, I know that the letter the letter doesn't say this but I wonder if the spirit says this but when we alter our bodies and alter our altar and change our appearance and cover or decorate ourselves for his glory I wonder when we do that, I wonder if God hears our voice. He hears our praise and our worship and he says, I know that voice. I recognize that voice, but who is that? Who is that? I don't, I don't recognize them, but they look, look different. They look different. They don't look like the way that I made them. I don't recognize that. They're, they're, it's, they, they're strange. Something strange has happened. What have they done with my body? It has become something strange. Again, those that follow the letter don't have to worry.
worry about that. But I wonder if the Spirit thinks that when we begin to alter God's body. And that's really what it comes down to. As I said at the beginning, this is the foundation of holiness, I believe. And if we grasp this, living for God should be so much easier because uh, understanding the spirit of the law and uh, that this is God's body, not ours. And why have they covered my body with man-made things? Why have they laid a tool upon the stones, upon my stones? Again, the letter doesn't say this, but I think maybe the Spirit says something like that. That will continue to draw us even closer and closer. That if we are truly trying to perfect holiness and pursue it and draw closer to God, we shouldn't be putting more things on. We should be putting, taking more things off because it is not our body. The closer we get to Jesus, the more things that are shown in faults and failures in us and blemishes and all these things that we can't do anything about. But God's going to, He wants His body. He wants His stones. And He wants His uh, child to come to them. And so I wonder if we can close out tonight and just begin to seek after God and Maybe ask God to search us, to cleanse us, Lord, from all unrighteousness and filthiness of the flesh. And maybe the spirit of holiness can, can speak to us and convict our hearts. If there's anything in life that we are doing that may not be pleasing to the Lord, or maybe we've been so callous that we no longer hear what the spirit is saying, but we're still trying to draw closer to him and and can't really get there, something is maybe holding us back and maybe we've reached the end of the sidewalk. We gotta step out and say, God, there's gotta be more. What more can I do to draw closer to you? What more can I take off or, or not put on or turn off or not go that I may draw closer to you? Come on, let's worship the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, Jesus, help us, Lord. Give myself
glory with this body you've given us. Hallelujah. We give you the praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Thank you for uh, your attention. And we're going to continue on in this series. But I think this is, as I said, this is the, the most important one because from here, uh, if you don't get this, then nothing else really will stick and will uh, make sense. Uh, and so uh, everything we do, we are to give God glory with uh, our bodies, our words, our mouth, our life. Amen. And I think that's what God just asks of us. It doesn't have to be complicated. Uh, we tend to complicate things and uh, confuse things, but it's, it's just really simple there. At least in my mind, it's just kind of laid out. But God wants us to worship Him in all that we do. Give Him glory. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.